0: بودكاست لونش توك حلقة رقم 007 أول بودكاست كويتي متخصص في تغطية الأحداث والإطلاقات في عالم الأعمال في العالم وفي الكويتي بشكل خاص يقدم لكم محدثكم خالد الزنكي وهدفنا في البودكاست توفير معلومات متنوعة في البزنس بودكاست لونش توك يعتبر أحد برامج لونشون فاير والحلقة هذه راح تكون باللغة الإنجليزية and this episode will be in English language في البداية خلونا نشكر الشركات الرعية لبودكاست Launch on Fire الراعي الاستراتيجي وزارة الدولة لشؤون الشباب والراعي الشريك شركة علي الغانم وأولاده للسيارات والراعي الذهبي أسنان تور ونشكر الجهات العلامية الرعية بعد سنسكيب مجلة المصارف مجلة ذا سيتي، مجلة الإعلامي وجريدة الكويتية نحو شباب متمسك بالقيم والإبداع وشريك في التنمية المستدامة للوطن هذه رؤية وزارة الشباب اللي تأسست بمرسوم أميري في 2013 تقدرون تعرفون عنهم أكثر بموقعهم الإلكتروني www.youth.gov.kw أو تابعوهم بتويتر أو الإنستغرام at تركت علي الغانم أولاده للسياراته الوكيل الحصري والموزع المعتمد لمجموعة سيارات مكلارن، لاندروفر، روزرويز، بي ام دبليو، وميني في الكويت تابعوهم على الانستغرام ات علي الغانم سونز علشان تشوفون اخر العروض والسيارات اليديدة اللي وصلت المعرض اول بأول. الاسنان هي سر جاذبية اي واحد فينا ابتسامتك وجاذبيتك تكون متميزة وخصوصا اذا كانت ابتسامتك هولوودية وفي البزنس لها دور في مستوى تأثيرك في الناس اللي حواليك أسنان تاور أكبر العيادات في الشرق الأوسط والمتميزة في علاج وتجميل الأسنان في الكويت اتصل على أسنان تاور واحجز موعدك اليوم على 257 شركة سينما الكويتية الوطنية سينسكيب عندهم أكثر من 12 ألف كرسي في 12 موقع في الكويت. أفلامهم متنوعة من أكشن وكوميديا ودراما ورعب وإثارة وتشويق. مع سينسكيب تعيش الدور وأكثر من 60 سنة وسينسكيب في خدمتكم. مجلة المصارف مجلة متخصصة للبنوك في الكويت ينشرها اتحاد مصارف الكويت. الإعلام وهو واجهة المجتمعات هو اللي عرف الناس على تفاصيل كل مجتمع The City مجلة كويتية باللغة الإنجليزية تبرز كل إيجابيات المجتمع الكويتي وتسلط الضوء على إنجازات ونجاحات شباب الكويت والخليج هدفها الوصول إلى العالمية مجلة The City من الكويت إلى العالم مجلة الإعلامي مجلة شهرية تصدر عن الملتقى الإعلامي العربي واللي يهدف إلى تعزيز الهوية الإعلامية العربية من خلال وسائل الإعلام المتنوعة كل شيء يتعلق بشؤون الإعلام العربي والإعلاميين تلقونه على موقع المجلة الإعلامي الكويتية جريدة يومية شاملة تسعى لمواكبة التطورات المحلية والإقليمية والعالمية بشكل موضوع مبتكر الكويتية مرجع أساسها المصدقية من مبادئها احترام الراي والراي الآخر تلقون آخر الأخبار على الكويتيه دوت كوم Let's get started with today's episode of Launch Talk podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Don Hudson. Don, are you ready for the launch? Yeah. Don Hudson is the former president and CEO of PepsiCo North America and has more than 20 years strategic brand building experience. She has extensive experience in executive leadership in consumer goods, food service, and communications. Hudson believes strongly in the power of marketing and the influence of product branding in the industry. That companies should view marketing as a great advantage to building a universal brand and creating a distinct workplace she has an enthusiastic connection with the audience to teach and show them the secret of marketing several top magazines have named down as the women of the year for numerous roles some of which are 50 most powerful women in business by fortune magazine advertising Woman of the year by advertising women of new york Furthermore, Don had won the B East award from the American Advertising Federation and she was introduced in the American Advertising Federation's Hall of Achievement. I have given our listener just a little overview about you. Take a minute or so to tell us about yourself so our listeners get to know you and give us an overview about yourself.
1: So my name is Don Hudson and I uh, was born and raised in the northeast part of the United States, actually in a town outside of Boston. I went to Dartmouth College, uh, which is one of the Ivy League network of schools in the U.S. And after I got out of college, I went into the advertising agency business, and I worked with large multinational clients like Procter & Gamble and Unilever and Anheuser-Busch. And after I was in the uh, industry a little bit over 10 years, what sometimes happens is the client you work with makes you an offer for you to join them. And that's what I did with Frito-Lay, which was a division of PepsiCo. And I was the uh, chief Marketing officer, also in charge of sales, for free to lay everywhere outside the United States. Don,
0: I'm so excited and thrilled to get into our conversation today, but before we do, we always start our broadcast with a success code. so take it away.
1: I've always uh, given myself credit for my success of, of having good intuition. I really believe I've always taken jobs based upon the opportunity on paper, but I, I join an organization, I join to work with people. Mm-hmm. And you spend more time working sometimes than you do at home and you have to be. So I say what's made me successful is good instincts around the people that I want to surround myself and I want to work with. And it's always led me toward great companies and organizations to work for.
0: Now, what I really want to do now is dive into our major topic today, marketing role in business, specifically in small businesses. Based on your experience, what is the difference between strategic marketing? and traditional marketing.
1: So I'm a huge believer in strategic marketing, which Mm -hmm. ultimately leads to promotional marketing, if you want to call that. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people market to get buzz, to get people talking about something. But in effect, they're trying things out. And they don't, strategic marketing says, I'm going to really understand what my product or my service, who does it really appeal to? And it won't, appeal to everybody particularly in this day and age people want things specially made for them or food or restaurants or services designed just for them. So you you waste your marketing if you just try to create buzz. Strategic marketing is about understanding who's most likely to be interested in your product or service, how do you reach them Mm -hmm. and what do you tell them that will make your product or service stand out relative to the others. Then when you spend money and you do your promotions and you do the things that are exciting you have a higher chance of success because you're talking to the audience most likely to receive that message well. That's the difference between just doing a bunch of marketing activities and directing them strategically against who you wanna reach with a message that will really convert them to action.
0: Awesome. Dawn, I'm sure throughout your leadership in Pepsi Cola, you have had failures. We wanna hear one of your failure stories and what lessons you learned.
1: You know, I tell people that you know if you're having It's funny you should ask me that because if you're having a really tough time in your job, I say, you know, I'm sorry for you. I mean, that's hard. But I will tell you, you are learning more now than you learned at any other point because it's in facing adversity Mm -hmm. or facing challenge that you figure out. You either walk away from it or you figure out how you can make it work. Mm -hmm. And that learning process is invaluable. So for me, one of the big ones I learned is I had a situation. so, So Pepsi and Coke are more than just products put in in cans. They are part of enormous distribution systems that make sure that wherever you could be thirsty, you can find a Pepsi or a Coke. And the power of that distribution system is the bottling system and and the people that run all the route trucks. So in the case of Pepsi in North America, Pepsi had Coke, I mean, as Pepsi had Coke to Coke, and then they had Mountain Dew, which was something unique, which was really driver for Pepsi. And Coke had Sprite, and Pepsi's bottling system did not have a national brand of lemon lime. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, we've got to get that because otherwise the bottlers are ones picking up something on the West Coast and others picking up something on the East Coast. And so we went about understanding what do consumers want, did a lot of market research, And I had actually just joined from Frito-Lay into Pepsi at the time. And the research said, you know what? Lemon-lime sodas don't have caffeine. We want a lemon-lime soda with caffeine. Mm -hmm. So they created, preceded me, this product called Storm. And they put lightning bolts all over it. And they put it into test market with the highest level of caffeine you could get in a product. And it failed miserably. And it failed because people didn't stop to realize, yeah, they say they want caffeine. But if they really want caffeine they have coffee they have energy drinks they have pepsi and coke why are they going to go to a lemon lime and in fact when you really look at the lemon lime category people drink lemon limes are kids and older people that are caffeine sensitive so as soon as you took a product and said we're all about caffeine you eliminated a lot of the of the target market categories Mm -hmm. so the learning is yeah listen to people. What do they want that's different? But really look at it from the other way, which is, are there enough people that want that product that's different for mm-hmm. you to be successful? So after spending millions of dollars, test marketing storm, it never made it. And so then we stepped back and said, let's offer just a great tasting lemonine soda without caffeine that goes, if you will, right up the center of the category mm-hmm. and delivers for our bottling system what they needed. It was Sierra Mist, and it we launched it... 12 years ago, and it's still active today.
0: Awesome. Down from all the lessons you had from failures, what is the one main important lesson you learned?
1: Do your homework. Uh, Make sure that you know just whatever you think you know, what is it you might not know, Mm -hmm. and really think that through. And sometimes it's asking uh, people that wouldn't be on your team, outsiders, really listen to how to come at it to understand what the pot, because in the end, you might have the greatest idea, and you should go for it. Mm -hmm. But before you spend all that money going for it, just pressure test it. See if there are other opinions, other ideas. What what else could you learn about it that could make that idea maybe better?
0: Awesome. Now let's get to another side right now. Let's talk about aha moment you had in your journey. Really take us there and share with us that moment.
1: It probably is more of a personal moment, an Mm -hmm. aha moment. And it was a moment when my oldest daughter was graduating from nursery school, something in the United States you go to when you're like four years old. And the little graduation ceremony had her playing a sheep or something in a, in a little play. And I had a lot of important meetings, and I planned to go, but I booked myself too tight in time, got caught in traffic trying to get out of New York City to go to this play, and I missed the play. And my aha moment, or what I learned, it felt terrible. My My daughter remembered that for years. There are personal times that are so much more important. And business waits. And it's no matter how the crisis is, it might still be there tomorrow. It will wait, somebody will step in and do it. But there are things in your personal life you'll never, you'll never get them back. Mm-hmm. And I guess my aha is to always make sure that those come first.
0: Dawn, what was the marketing moment that you are proud of?
1: There's probably two things that come to mind for me. One was when I was at Frito-Lay. We had bought 41 different potato chip brands from around the world. And um, my job was to figure out, could we weave them into one global brand, which we did, and we called it Lay's Potato Chips. Mm -hmm. And could we find a quality base that would work with most cultures around the world so that we would just vary the seasoning to local taste, which we did. And so We did it at a time, everyone does that today, but at the time it was very controversial whether you could create a platform for taste Mm -hmm. that lots of people could relate to.
0: Dawn, there is one leadership question people always ask. Is leadership a trait you are born with or is it something you acquire over time and with experience?
1: I I think it's a little of both in that I think it's very hard to take somebody who's a follower, who's not a natural leader, turn them into a leader. Mm -hmm. But many people are natural leaders and there are things you learn that you do to make yourself a better leader. And I think that um, any natural born leader you, you'll see will have every bit of strengths and weaknesses. I think being a leader is about leveraging what makes you strong and surrounding yourself with, with things that others do well that maybe are your weaker points. Mm-hmm. But I've certainly learned that uh, being a leader is being really clear about a vision. You want to take people on. You want to take an organization and make them feel like they can achieve success and they can be part of that successful journey. And what I've learned is the simpler that goal is, the more people can rally around it. The more it sounds like a business school presentation you've made at Harvard Uh, business school, you lose a lot of people. So I guess I would tell you it's, uh, it's a bit of both.
0: Awesome. How important is education and knowledge in the role of becoming a successful leader or entrepreneur?
1: Well, I'm a big believer in education because it gives you a jump start. Um, But I think there's a reason why people don't come out of college and university and business school and immediately run companies because there are some real world learnings you have Mm -hmm. that tell you about how it works in principle, but how practicality plays into it. And when you're talking about marketing a product or running a restaurant or opening a store. Um, things like that you might you might learn in business school, but it's when you really understand the power of the employee base and whether you're connecting with them or your hours of operation and whether they will off or not. Those are things that you learn in working on a business. And I think what school really teaches you, it gives you a foundation, but it teaches you to be inquisitive and to understand you don't know everything. So when you don't know something, how do you go out and get that experience? How do you ask someone else? Always trying to make yourself better to this point today where I'm not a perfect leader, I'm not able to run the world. There's something I can learn every minute of the day. And I view myself as a constant student. Always will be, always have been, always will be.
0: Awesome. Now, you mentioned the marketing in Pepsi-Cola. How did you improve Pepsi-Cola marketing and what steps you took to execute that improvement?
1: Pepsi is one of those great brands that's been around for 100 years, that's had a lot of great marketers come before me. And I what I believe about a brand is that really brands have a DNA, they have a soul. And it's important that you respect the history of a brand and what it has stood for. And you can, brands are not, Fixed. They do evolve as culture and people evolve, but there's a core heart to a brand that sometimes in a, in a brand's journey it gets off track, and you got to get it. And then it it doesn't feel authentic to people. It's trying too hard. So there was a particular era when I joined, uh, I moved from Frito Lay to Pepsi, when Pepsi had had tried to get too cool for its own good. It, it, was tr- it was starting to do wacky things to try to connect with youth. And in doing those wacky things, it, it wasn't authentic. Pepsi had had a, a previous run of great success about being choice of the next generation, about being optimistic, about always looking at the world through youthful eyes, no matter what your age. And that's a big core and heart of Pepsi. So when it got wacky and it tried to outdo itself. It, it didn't feel authentic and it felt like it was rejecting every, all ages and, and trying too hard. So I just took it back on the track of what made Pepe, Pepsi great and, and part of Pepsi was presented through music and it was an expression of exuberance, it was a, an expression of optimism. So I put it back into music marketing mm-hmm. and brought back jingles and brought back um, music tracks and celebrities and, and and got it to connect with a broader group of people.
0: Awesome. What was the exact role of management and marketing to make that execution successful? It
1: comes back to strategy. Understanding, it, I think what management has to do is say, time out, it's not working, we're gonna adjust this. Mm-hmm. And open people up for a more substantive change than just tweaking everything. Second thing for management is to set a vision, which is we're gonna do this differently, now let's go get it done. Mm-hmm. And then to evaluate if they achieved it or not. Sometimes management has to make tough calls. You have a couple of ways to go. And I I remember specifically we were launching on the Super Bowl a few new ads. And there was one ad I really believed in that my boss, the president of the division, didn't like. But I produced it anyway because I thought it would connect with people. If it connects with people and get a good response and was true to the brand, he'd come around and like the ad, which he did. Mm -hmm. But it ended up being a very famous ad because it, it captured... Uh, it created this little girl called the Pepsi Girl, and it was all about how she could tell the difference between a Coke and a Pepsi. And Adult World would try to pull one over on her wow. and try yeah. to serve her a Pepsi, and mm-hmm. she would know. And, and what would happen is adult voices would come out of her mouth and she would assume these other sort of famous Hollywood roles to say, you can't pull one over on me. Ended up creating quite a bit of buzz, and, and that's about going with your gut mm-hmm. and, and making a difficult call. Management's expected to not always please everyone, but do what they think is right.
0: What is the number one advice would you give to small business owners to elevate their marketing and their business to the next level?
1: Know your customer. Really understand what people like about you, what they don't like about you. That doesn't mean you have to change what they don't like about you, but understand who do you appeal to? How does your what you offer, product or service, how does it differ versus your competition? And stay true to talking to that group. Now, if that group's not big enough to support your financials, you may have to change your product or service to expand its popularity. But, but most people have a pretty good handle. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd focus on that.
0: Great. How to overcome competition via marketing?
1: So often, if you're an entrepreneur, your competition has a lot more money than you do. And you're going to drive your P&L under the ground if you try to compete one for one with them. I think the thing about competition, particularly large-scale competition like a Pepsi or a Coke, their Achilles heel, their weakness, is the inability for them to target niches. And it's mostly because they've created these large infrastructures, these large distribution systems that need scale to work. And the entrepreneur doesn't have the scale, Mm -hmm. and the big companies won't go after that. So I think the way you work with competition is you stay true to who you are, You talk just to your audience. Don't try to talk to their audience. And frankly, if you're in marketing, you try to be more inventive than them. You're the ones that first, you know, used social media before the big guys did. You're the ones that created a unique volleyball platform on the beach. Uh, I think people today, particularly, they like things to be localized. They like things to be true to the people and the town and the communities they live in. And a lot of your competition gets big, and they don't do that. And I True. think one of the things you can do as a small business is, right, get back into how you serve your community. How do you involve your community in your idea?
0: Awesome. Which is leading us to the next question. How can they differentiate their business from the rest?
1: Well, that's classic strategic marketing. And I think the way you differentiate is you understand whether, let's just take I have a product. Let's, let's say I have a, an energy bar. What makes my energy bar different from the other energy bars? And it's not just ingredients. It's understanding from consumers. How do they think about what's out there? So one energy bar may be fruit-based. Another energy bar may be choice of young people. Mm-hmm. Another energy bar, maybe there's not an energy bar that's appealing to people that are um, working hard and, and need something to tie them over to a meal. It's more of a meal replacement. Then you go after that. Mm-hmm. But that that's really what branding is about, it's understanding how do people look at the category that you're in, where are your competitors and where are the holes, mm-hmm. where you can satisfy a need, a significant consumer need, somebody else isn't going after. And when mm-hmm. you find that, the competition has a harder time reacting True. because their, their product doesn't do that.
0: Well my question right now is a bit of a challenge because I believe you work with larger corporations and you worked with Pepsi Cola. Based on your experience and based on your observation in the marketplace and SMEs, what do they do wrong, or what is the biggest mistakes they fall into marketing?
1: So I, I serve on a on a venture capital fund huh, where awesome. we are. I uh, when I left PepsiCo and I don't work there anymore. I spent a lot of time with smaller businesses and family owned businesses that don't have the marketing, the capital, and and I and I and I love it. But some of the um, problems that I see is, one, they don't put enough emphasis on marketing. They're trying to get the product made or they're trying to get the restaurant open and they haven't figured out how they're going to create demand, Mm -hmm. right? And until you create demand and get trial, your business isn't going to go anywhere. So I think they, they think about marketing too late in the development of their business. That's one of the mistakes I see made. Second thing mistake I see made is they, they want to do a lot of cool things as opposed to figure out what message they want to give to what target. Then they can do it in a cool way, but really be very uh, – the art of marketing is making choices. It's not doing a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the smaller your budget, the more you need to make choices and make sure you're doing the right few things, not doing too many.
0: Awesome. What is the best advice you ever received?
1: It was a CEO, a guy named Roger Enrico at PepsiCo. And I had, for me, what I thought was my penultimate career. I had become the managing director for a large advertising agency in New York City with about 1,000 employees. Mm -hmm. And I never dreamed I'd get that job when I started out. And that's a whole other thing. I think people's careers are varied today. They move and you have to, they can be fluid and they go in different directions and you have to be open to those opportunities where they take you. Mm -hmm. But I never thought I'd get there, and I got there. But I had this opportunity presented to me to go over to the client side and be responsible for marketing lays outside the US. And that was a big, big departure, but it ended up making my career in a different way.
0: Great. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributed to your success?
1: I'm I'm an inclusive leader. I listen. I'm not the smartest person. I don't take it as I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm collaborative and I put the right team of people together that don't don't all look like me, Mm -hmm. that have different skills, that look differently, that have different paths. And I try to motivate them toward all the same goal. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that a group of diverse, different background, different experiences will get a better answer to a business problem than if everybody looks alike.
0: Okay. If you just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: Every book has something for the right, but I don't think there's an end-all, be-all book. I, I find that difficult to recommend because there's The Art of Branding. I mean, there's lots of different books. The question is, what are you wrestling with? And what do you need to learn? And then get a book that's really targeted at that. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe, you know, books on leadership, if you have a minute to read them, are good. Not that they tell you this is the... Roadmap to leadership, but they open your mind up to various different ways that you can lead and whether you're working with three people You're working with 30 or you're working with 300 Leadership is really important.
0: I totally agree Imagine you are starting a small business with five hundred thousand dollars. What would you do first?
1: So five hundred thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money Mm -hmm. Might be a lot of money might be not enough money The key is I would put the money aside the amount for a minute and I'd say what's my idea what do I want to get done? What are the choices I have to make? and how much money do I need to get there? Mm-hmm. And then I'd pick those things that I think are most important for me to invest in to get there. And I would try to invest 200 of the 500. Mm-hmm. So however much money you think you'll need, you will need more. Right. And if you try to, you know, spend it all and then I mean the the biggest reason I see in this venture capital fund I work with in the difference between who succeeds and who doesn't is those that anticipate, you'll hit bumps in the road, you'll hit opportunities. And if you don't have money set aside to be able to go after those opportunities or to survive until you hit profitability, you might have the greatest idea in the world, but you'll fail. And I've had friends take CEOs of really exciting startups and I've said the difference between success and failure will be are you sufficiently capitalized to stay in the business as long as it takes to develop your fan base. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. So whatever time, my budget is, I try to budget under it to make sure I had the depth in my pockets. Or if it's going to take me 500 to launch it, I'd be working really hard and figuring where the next 500 is coming from.
0: Definitely. Down, we have reached the end of our episode today. On behalf of our listeners and Tamkeen, I want to thank you so much for sharing information, ideas, and experience with us today. And we hope you're going to enjoy your stay in Kuwait. Have a great day. Thank you. الحين وصلنا إلى نهاية حلقة اليوم من بودكاست لونش توك المتخصص في تغطية الأحداث والإطلاقات في عالم الأعمال في العالم وفي الكويت بشكل خاص البودكاست موجود في الآيتونز وتكتورون تتابعون حلقاتنا وتسوون سبسكرايب من خلال برنامج بودكاست الموجود في الأب ستور لأجهزة الآيفون والآيبود والآيباد بالإضافة إلى برنامج ستيتشر الموجود لكل الأجهزة أو عن طريق موقع البودكاست launchonfire.com وهم تابعوا حساباتنا في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي at launchonfire وإذا عندكم أحد مهتم في دارة الأعمال والمشاريع الصغيرة من دزوا لينك الموقع أو سوله منشن في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي ونلقاكم إن شاء الله في الحلقة الياية